Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield again. We are broadcasting from the Husker Harvest Days and the Fontenelle booth as Mike Susalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And uh, Mike, let's start out talking. I, mean, I kind of joked at the beginning, we're not going to have a lot to talk about today because we had a great WASDE report. <laughs> yeah, what do we do now? Exactly. Let's talk about this WASDE report, the numbers that came in and the initial surprise that we saw in the trade. Well, I think the, the market had gotten used to, and certainly I would classify myself in this situation, I was ready for another feed the supply bear report. And I was, I was thinking, Susan, at the start of this week that if we got this good demand news from the export pace picking up, we got the crop conditions dropping in corn by three points, making the yield people wonder where is all this green on the satellite. Um, if we could just get a USD report that did not feed that supply bear by taking numbers and supplies higher than demand, then we may have a shot at putting in a decent pre-harvest low. And I think walking away from today's trade, I mean, I'm always cautious on a Thursday report heading into Friday because I want to see the weekly close as good, if not better, than what we saw on Thursday. So if I get a good close tomorrow at the end of the week, I think we do have a really good chance of finding some supportive, short-covering mindset in the marketplace. I'll, I'll throw one thing out to, uh, to you as well. The, the negotiations between President Trump and the EPA and USDA with the ethanol demand and, and the strategy that he is supposed to be lining out for improving our demand for ethanol that has a lot more importance and a higher priority since today's report came out because it kind of puts the supply bear on the back he on the back of his heels. I was going to ask you about that because we all know that that has been sitting there. The pressure has come in. The pressure is really hitting hard in Washington. What does this report mean to the ethanol industry as you do the breakdown? Well, the, the margins have gotten better for ethanol. They're not good, but they've gone from about a negative 10 or negative 15 cents a gallon to a positive 5 to 10 cents in the front-end spot market. So you can crush and make money again in the ethanol industry. I think what we're really looking at, because of this trade issue and frictions uh, with China, with USMCA, et cetera, et cetera, has gone on so long, we need some longer-term demand numbers that we can count on. And that's probably where the ethanol industry stands is, well, two months isn't going to dig us out of this hole. We need more like two years of solid demand. And, and we know that the E15 policy, that was nice, but it really didn't increase our demand, didn't get us over that blend wall. You know, when we were sitting in our booth and we watched those numbers first come across, we, we did see a little bit of that knee-jerk reaction, but that was all computer trading because you guys as human brains did not get a chance to even digest it until that initial reaction came through. You know, that's a huge piece of the puzzle because the trade usually looks at yield, acres, carryover, and then starts spread trading. And, and one similarity to this report and last month's report was USDA did give us a better supply-demand outlook on soybeans for the United States crop versus the corn. And so like last year, I would not be surprised, especially if this GFS model showing some colder weather coming into Fargo, North Dakota uh, in about six, eight days, if those actually manifest, those temperatures actually manifest themselves, I think the beans could continue to be bought, but this time maybe the corn not sold as aggressively and we actually see the market go up in, in kind of unison with one another. Well, you kind of brought up the, uh, the weather worry that has been kind of sitting on the back shelf for many folks. We're hearing some reports that we might not see in, in the lower part of the Midwest any sort of uh, snow 
effects taking place, so maybe November. But definitely going to have the colder weather and the, and the frost concerns that are out there in a crop that's nowhere near ready to be harvested. No, and this is like the ethanol negotiations with President Trump. This report today, I think, elevated the issue with the colder weather. And I was just in Fargo, North Dakota at the Big Iron Show there. And I was absolutely shocked at how green the beans were, how the corn had not really turned at all. And it was 55 degrees and raining there when I was there this week. And they had another two inches uh, just since I've left later this week. So I do think that that's going to play more of a role now that this report came out with the lower yield base, especially for both corn and beans. So how do the U.S. numbers compare to to world numbers? Yeah, this is where if you were looking at the world numbers and you were a, a fund, an algorithmic trader, you'd actually probably be buying corn over beans because we actually have in a stocks-to-use ratio level, uh, corn is down 4% stocks-to-use versus last year. We're literally at a three-year low at this point for stocks-to-use ratios globally when it comes to the corn. So if we could get the wheat and the dollar to come get off our back as far as pressuring the corn market, I think the global trade would start to pick up quite a, little, uh, quite a bit. And I, I will throw one more thing at you before we go to break. It's really important to watch what the end user does now in both domestic market and the world markets now that this report's co uh, come out because I wonder if they're not going to come around and maybe bid up and get a little bit more booked. So speaking of those end users, from a livestock perspective, as they look at these WASDE numbers, what does that mean to them? Well, in meal, I think the meal needs to be booked at least through Christmas, maybe even into the first quarter at this stage of the game because you just don't want, as a livestock feeder, to have to contend with a short shorter crop because the weather gets cold and we drag cutting beans out all the way into January, February in the northern corn belt. So don't take the risk, especially if you're dealing with $300 a ton meal in the fourth quarter. I think it's a good value to go ahead and book it now. I would also continue to keep booking that corn as far as the wider basis corn especially. So the nervousness that many are feeling, and I've heard comments here at Husker Harvest Days, is that legit in the sense of they're worried about what their feed availability is, what I'm trying to say, come December? Yeah, I think they will be, especially if we would happen to get both an ethanol deal and a U.S.-China trade deal. I think then the futures market and the cash basis market may kind of go off to the races. I don't. I wouldn't want to be put in that position. Let's just throw in a USMCA and get it all done with at once. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> we'll stick around, folks. We do have more coming up. We are at the Fontenelle tent here at the Husker Harvest Days. It is the Fontenelle final bell. Mike Zuzalo is joining us during the commercial break, as we did uh, the last couple days. We'll take some questions from the audience and bring it back to you. We know that there's some craziness going on in this hog market. We know that African swine fever continues to be a global issue as well. So we'll dive into all of that in part two. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are at Husker Harvest Days. It is day three, a windy day, but a beautiful day as we look at the temperature-wise. Mike Zuzalo is joining us again for part two. Let's look at the acreage. When we look at corn, we look at beans, is there going to be a struggle as we look towards 2020 in planting? You know, at the Rural Radio booth, and I'm sure probably at the Fontenelle Hybrids booth and tent, we probably had a lot of questions. I did a lot. I had a lot of questions about what is the acreage base going to be for 2020? Are we going to go not only 95 million acres corn, but 100 million acres corn here in the United States because of the planting delays and the price action that we've seen? 
I think this report, and it's only one report, Susan, so I can't say it's a trend, but if we get another solid report like this and beans continue to lead the market higher, I think that's really nice from a standpoint of the corn market down the road that maybe the soybeans actually attract a little bit more bean acreage mix in 2020, especially if Brazil stays dry all the way through Thanksgiving and Christmas. That would be kind of the icing on the cake, I think, not only to get some 19 soybeans sold, but also to look at 20 soybeans and maybe bring that corn acreage base down. I was going to ask you, what type of pressure are we going to see out of South America as we head into 2020? Right now, I think their crop is about the same as last year as far as what they had hoped for before they had weather. So 124, 126 on Brazilian bean production seems very likely. I don't think they can expand too much because of their currency issues and their government policy issues. Uh, they're, they're fighting a lot of deficit problems down there and very high interest rates. So I, I think but that's still a burdensome number if we can't pick up the demand slack. Well, after we saw the WASI report come out uh, this morning at 11 o'clock, the corn numbers just never seem to be able to catch up. They, they chased the beans, but they weren't able to. No, and, and that doesn't bother me in the short term. I actually like that because I've been most worried, and I will continue to be most worried about the soybeans because African swine fever is not going away in China, and it's not going away in Southeast Asia, even though they are trying to repopulate their hog herd. But I think every marketer out there in 2019 and 2020 has to have written down on his notepad, what if North America gets African swine fever? How am I going to handle that in my marketing plan? So take the profit in 2020. And that does bring a good point. We've seen it now in the Philippines, a country that said we won't get it because we're totally surrounded by water. So we know that it, the pressure's out there. It continues to move. It continues to have effect, like you said, on the soybean market. And it's definitely having an effect on when we see these hogs trade. Yeah, it's, it is a virus that does not have a vaccine yet. And that makes it even worse than PED virus. And it could make the, the Chinese market may not recover for two to five years at this point from the African swine fever. So limit up. Let's switch gears a little bit and look at the livestock for a bit. Limit up on the hogs. What are your thoughts on a Thursday with that? When I first got in the business in 1995, a, a professor at Purdue University helped me when I started in livestock analysis. Bill Urich was his name. Dr. Urich told me, livestock usually leads you up, Mike, and livestock usually leads you down when it comes to grain prices. Ethanol kind of put a dent in that theory, but I think, Susan, with African swine fever and what we're dealing with here, we may be back to that type of mindset. I'd be looking for livestock to find their lows first, and by the fact that China bought 50% of all the pork export sales this week at a 70% tariff says to me it's still cheaper than what they could get over in their domestic market. So maybe a 70% tariff is high, but for domestic pork prices in China, it's still probably a good deal. We've seen some struggles as well in this cattle market. Yeah, and I think that's been major league fund related. I think this is almost a completely driven fund market. But like I said with Dewey yesterday, I think yesterday the feeder market put a low in the price action. We'll test that theory because the corn market's gone up. If feeders don't break with the corn going higher, I think you've got a low in the feeders. All right, we've had a couple hours to digest this WASDE report. We get ready to start the markets again for the overnight trade into tomorrow. Having you look into the future here, what kind of mood can we expect on a Friday trade? Well, I, I think that the wheat really signaled at the beginning of this week that it wanted to make a low. And by the soft red wheat being able to get back up above that 465 level, I think that was a big, big piece of the puzzle when it came to the tech came to the technicals and the market sentiment. So if wheat can lead us out and beans are supportive, 
I think Friday could be a good day for the Greens. Uh, some marketing thoughts as we uh, get ready to hit those combines. We know it's going to be later, so we've got some time. Get some plans in place? Yeah, I think between now and January is going to be our best opportunity if we don't have any more bearish reports. And, and if we could just get the ethanol deal, even USMCA and the China-US trade negotiations, maybe that will be enough if we don't get those other two. But I think you do need to get some pricing done. My overvalue on these corn is still around 470 a bushel on futures. My March corn, if we had a, another yield cut or we had delayed harvest up in the northern corn belt, I put the March corn closer to the 485 level. As long as we can keep snow away and uh, Mother Nature working with us, we'll get this harvest on. That's exactly right. One quick final question. Wazdy October, is that going to put a bigger pressure than when we saw the Wazdy September? I don't think so, but if we go high enough in prices, we maybe need to feed the bull this, that next time around. All right, sounds good. What's the best way folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is globalanalytics.biz or call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. Susan, I want to thank you and Rural Radio Network. I want to thank Fontenelle Seeds and Hybris for having me. All right, thanks so much. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Of course, you can catch the podcast later today. Follow along what's happening with all the reports. Again, thanks to Fontenelle and all the local Fontenelle dealers. It's been a great three days of Husker Harvest Days. Thanks for the uh, space in here in your booth. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.